Good morning. Welcome to Barah Ministries, an intimate local Christian church with a worldwide impact. My name is Pastor Rory Clark. Thanks for listening to this Bible lesson. Why did God the Father create Barah Ministries? Our Almighty Father provides you with a sanctuary where you can get to know His Son, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The sovereign God of the universe came down from heaven, took on the form of a human being, lived a perfect and sinless life, despite being tempted to sin in every way possible, allowed himself to be crucified by unrighteous, unbelieving men, and in so doing restored the relationship between God the Father and all mankind by paying for every sin every creature would ever commit, past, present, and future. And when Jesus, who was Jewish, came to his own people, the Jews, they did not believe that he is their Messiah, despite many convincing proofs. And they rejected him. And he told them who he is in John chapter 8, verses 57 and 58. The Jews said to Jesus, You are not yet 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Before Abraham was born, I am. That means that I existed as the Lord, God the Son. Jesus Christ is God in human form. He's God the Son in human form. The term I am means that he is deity. The Lord is the exact same in essence as God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. He has always existed, and there never will be a time when he doesn't exist. God the Father provides Barah Ministries, as a place where you can study the Word of God with a pastor who is teaching the Bible from God's perspective. It's 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. The Apostle Peter communicated the essence of a pastor's job. We teach you and we also remind you again and again about all the benefits being a Christian has to offer. Therefore, I, Peter, will always keep on being ready to remind you of the things in the Word of God, even when you already know them. And even though you have been established in the truth about which God is, uh, and even though you have been established in the truth about God, which is already present within you, I, Peter, consider it right, as long as I'm in this earthly dwelling, his physical body, to stir you up by way of reminder. God the Father provides broad ministries as a place where you can learn about Satan, the enemy of God, whom God made the ruler of this world for a finite time. Satan distracts people with meaningless things so they don't get to know God. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, the Apostle Paul explains a harsh truth to his protege Timothy. He says, the time will come, and that time is now, when believers in Christ will not seek out sound teaching. Instead, wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. 2 Timothy 4.4 And they will turn their ears away from the truth, and they will turn aside to myths. Satan is extremely effective with his schemes. His lies are so attractive that billions of people on this planet are deceived. This is a place where you can learn to see right through his deceptions. Today's Bible lesson, what is your attitude toward forgiveness? 
What is your attitude toward forgiveness? It's always funny to hear people express their reluctance to get into relationships because they've been hurt in the past and they don't want to get hurt again. How is it that we expect not to get hurt in this life? The problem isn't relationships. Perhaps the problem is our refusal to forgive. Forgiveness is a decision, not a process. As believers in Christ, without learning how to forgive, we truly miss the point of what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us at the cross. He forgave. And as we study Paul's letter to Philemon, we get a primer on the power of forgiveness. Well, let's hear some music. When you've been betrayed, who wants to forgive? Not me. As you know, this is not an attitude that reflects the wishes of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's hear Matthew West sing about an all-important idea in the Christian life, forgiveness. Forgiveness Oh, forgiveness 
yawn or girl. That was the biggest yawn I've ever seen. <laughs> Let us pray. <laughs> We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of studying your absolute truth, the Word of God. Father, there are too many situations in our lives where we are wronged by other people, especially by those who are supposed to be closest to us. And despite our best efforts, often we can't get these people to stop hurting us. Yet you command us to forgive just as you have forgiven us. That's a tall task. Thank you for what you have done for us. And thank you for today's lesson, which may lend insight as to how we can see our way clear to forgive those who have wronged us. Through this lesson, help us to see why Christianity is different. Unconditional love, forgiveness, and grace. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Say it with me. Amen. Amen. Today's Bible lesson, what is your attitude toward forgiveness? What is your attitude toward forgiveness? Well, Paul's letter to Philemon is one of the many biblical stories of forgiveness. And as we study this letter over the next couple of weeks, let's listen to the lessons from Philemon's point of view. As Paul contemplated writing the letter, he had to be thinking about his friend's attitude toward forgiveness. As you'll remember from our last lesson, Onesimus, a slave from Colossae who belonged to Philemon, stole a lot of money, a big bag of gold, and ran away 1,200 miles to Rome. Now, what Onesimus was reasoning is that Rome was a place he could get lost where no one could find him. In the human realm, he was right. It would have been almost impossible to find him in crowded Rome. But in the spiritual realm, we must never underestimate what God can do. God found him and led him right to the Apostle Paul. Onesimus was out living it up, spending his ill-gotten gain. Perhaps he partied a little too hard because he got arrested and he ended up in a prison cell with the Apostle Paul. Coincidence? I don't think so. God led Onesimus to Paul, who gave him the gospel message. And Onesimus responded positively to the message and becomes a new believer in Christ. Paul and Onesimus became close. And as they talk, Onesimus tells Paul that he is from a small town called Colossae. Paul is astonished and excited. Get out! And he tells Onesimus that his best friend lives in Colossae, a man named Philemon. Rot row. Imagine Onesimus at that moment. Yikes! Onesimus tells Paul the story of how he ended up in Rome. Paul decides to use this new believer in Christ to deliver the letter to the Colossians, to the very person from whom Onesimus was running away. And in the letter, Paul asks his friend Philemon to live his Christianity by forgiving Onesimus and being reconciled to him. So Onesimus took the letter to the Colossians, he took the letter to Philemon, he took the letter to the Ephesians along with one other person. And now here he is, standing right in front of Philemon, the person he had jobbed, the person he had stolen from. 
There are many stories of forgiveness in this life. None of us gets out of this life of being hurt, and most of the time by people we love the most, people to whom we make ourselves vulnerable. Here are a couple of stories. There's the story of the fireman. After a long shift at the fire department, a firefighter fell asleep while driving and crashed into another vehicle, taking the life of a pregnant mother and injuring her 19-month-old daughter. The woman's husband, a full-time pastor, asked the judge to give the man a lesser sentence. Many years later, the two men remained close. The widower began meeting with the man for coffee and conversation, and the pastor reasoned, I can forgive as I have been forgiven. There was the mother who lost her son. An Iranian woman had revenge on her mind. She said, retribution was my only thought. And after her, teen- after her teenage son was murdered, and in a dramatic turn of events, moments before the killer was to be executed, the woman made a last-minute decision to pardon the man. Another woman was abused by her mother, and it ruined their relationship. The woman said she never imagined that she would reconnect with her mother during her adult life. Her mother suffered several strokes that left her unable to communicate or take care of herself. With no one else to help, the woman began to sit by her mother's bedside and read to her. Through this, the hate she had for her mother changed into forgiveness and love. When we hear stories like this, we'd like to believe that there's something remarkable in us when we can put aside anger and blame to find mercy in our hearts. In reality, we are simply reflecting the forgiveness of the Lord, God the Son, who came to earth to forgive the whole world. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 48, the Lord says this, You have heard it said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, Matthew 5, 44. But I, the Lord Jesus Christ, say to you, love your enemies unconditionally and pray for those who persecute you, Matthew 5, 45, so that you may be sons of your God and Father who is in heaven. For God the Father causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and God the Father sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Matthew chapter 5, 46. For if you love unconditionally those who love you unconditionally, that's a third class condition if. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. You have a choice. If you love unconditionally those who love you unconditionally, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors, the lowest of the low, do the same? Matthew five forty seven. And if you greet only your brothers, again, third-class condition if, maybe you will, maybe you won't, you have a choice, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles, the lowest of the low, do the same. Therefore, Matthew 5, 48, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So let's get started on our verse-by-verse study of Paul's letter to one of his best friends, Philemon, a wealthy man who hosts the Colossian church from his home. Philemon chapter 1, and we'll study verses 1 to 25, one of the shortest books in the Bible. Here's Philemon 1.1. Paul, 
a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and of Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our beloved brother and fellow worker, and to Aphia, his wife and our sister in Christ, and to Archippus, Philemon's son and our fellow soldier, and to all those who meet in the church in your house, dear Philemon, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. There's Paul's standard greeting for letters, and it's a note of interest that Paul greets all the members of the household. If someone steals from you, it affects everyone in the house. Well, who is most likely affected? The wife. Women are experts at taking on the feelings of their men and getting bitter when their men are mistreated. Paul knew this just wasn't a letter to his friend. It was a letter to his friend's family, including the members of his spiritual family that met in the church. Paul continues with the letter's greeting, Philemon chapter 1, verse 4. I thank my God and Father always, making mention of you, Philemon, to him in my prayers, because I hear of your unconditional love, and I hear of the faith you have directed toward the Lord Jesus Christ and toward all the saints. Philemon 1.6, and I, Paul, pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. Philemon 1.7, for I, Paul, have come to have much joy and comfort in your unconditional love, Philemon, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. In the first seven verses of the letter, Paul is setting up a request that will rock the world of Philemon and his family. What does it mean exactly to forgive? To forgive is an intentional decision to let go of resentment or anger or bitterness for an offense, for a flaw, for a mistake, or for a betrayal perpetrated against you. It is a decision to cancel a debt to lessen the power of an act's grip on you by dismissing it, even though the scar the act caused may never go away. What compounds the gravity of the situation is that the person who perpetrated the betrayal, Onesimus, is standing right in front of Philemon and his family as Philemon reads the letter from Paul. Paul continues, Philemon chapter 1, verses 8 to 14. Therefore, even though I have enough confidence in Christ to command you to do your duty as a Christian, the duty of doing what is proper, which is to forgive, Philemon 1.9, because of the principle of unconditional love, instead I beg you, please, since I am such a person as Paul, advanced in age, he's 60 at this point, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Philemon 1.10 I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, a newly born again one, whom I have become a spiritual father to while in my imprisonment in a Roman jail. Philemon 1.11 This one, Onesimus, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful both to you and to me. 
the name Onesimus means useful. That's God's sense of humor. Philemon chapter 1 verse 12. I have sent him back to you in person as if I were sending you my very heart. Philemon 1.13. This Onesimus, who I wish to keep with me, so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment in your stead for the sake of the gospel. Philemon 1.14. But I came to a decision in my heart, powered by God the Holy Spirit, of course, that without your consent I did not want to do anything, so that your goodness to me would not be by compulsion. I don't want to force you to do this, even though I can. I want this to be of your own free will. Paul is masterful in the setup of this situation. He is not at all above using Jewish guilt to make a case for Onesimus. When Philemon was in Ephesus on business, he met Paul. Paul gave Philemon the gospel message, and he responded positively to it. In effect, Paul owes Philemon owes Paul his eternal life. It's what you might feel towards someone who gave you the true gospel of the Lord, even though it is the Lord who does your saving. Imagine that you're Philemon at this moment. You stand before a man who stole from you, which is a capital crime. It embarrassed you. You had to hear from your wife about it incessantly. Your son questions your judgment. And that's what happens to really generous people. Really generous people are thought of as fools. And they're criticized by their own family for being overly generous. You've been betrayed. You feel stupid for letting this useless troublemaker be a part of your household, living in your very house. And now, here, Onesimus stands in front of you as you read a letter from your best friend begging you to do what Christians are compelled by God to do, to forgive, what would you do? When we come back from the break, we'll take the offering and we'll continue looking at Paul's orchestration of forgiveness for Onesimus. Take a five-minute break. Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. All my life I've been told I belong at the end of the line. With all the other not quite, with all the never get it right. But it turns out they're the ones you were looking for all this time. Cause I'm just a nobody trying to tell you. For the world to see Nobody but Jesus I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus Moses had stage fright And David brought a rock to a sword fight You picked 12 outsiders Nobody would have chosen And you changed the world Well, the moral of the story is Everybody's got a purpose so when I hear that devil start talking to me, saying, 
Welcome back. Today's Bible lesson, what is your attitude toward forgiveness? What is your attitude toward forgiveness? Well, as believers in Christ, we are members of the Lord's kingdom. He will be coming back for us at the proper time. And until then, don't stop giving. Don't stop living. And don't listen to people who are lost for your direction and your self-worth. Right now, it always appears the forces of evil are winning. They aren't. We will have our day. Luke chapter 21, verses 25 to 28 say this. There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars, and on the earth there will be dismay among the nations. There will be perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves. Luke 21, 26, there will be men fainting from fear and from the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. 
Luke 21, 27. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and with great glory. Luke 21, 28. And when these things begin to take place, believers in Christ, straighten up and lift up your heads because the remainder of your redemption, your purchase from slavery to sin, is drawing near. As believers in Christ, we have the victory. And we give to keep on robbing Satan of those he seeks to victimize. Thank you for your generosity, which makes it possible for people all over the world to hear the gospel message. Let's welcome up Deacon Denny Goodall with one of his always inspiring offering messages. Good morning. My name is Denny Goodall, and I'm blessed to be a deacon for Barah Ministries because this is a place of faith. Amen. We believe in faith, living by faith and not by sight. But we also realize that faith is a journey. It's not something that just happens overnight. It's not something that comes real right away. And, you know, the world, I think, out there, and sometimes us most of the time, us as well, we live by, you know, we look at other things with material possessions to satisfy our, our requirements of them being rich or requirements of them being nice to us. We have to have material possessions from people. And that can kind of you know, rot you to the core of somebody because you have these expectations for somebody and they don't deliver. Or you think somebody's, you, somebody appears you know, poor, but they're actually wealthy. You can misread people very, very quickly by that. It's, it's not by seeing what's there. It's by seeing what's not there. So your sight can fail you. And then, you know, if you live by sight, you, you can also have the fear of trying to do something new, trying to be an athlete, trying to start a business, trying to grow a business. If you live by sight, you'll never know because you, you have the fear of the unknown. You don't know what's going to happen. You can't do that. So, you know, the worst of all is, you know, we get a dependence on that sight. You know, so if somebody wrongs you, you can't see them all the time and prove that they're not going to wrong you again. If you live by sight, you'll never trust anybody. You have to live by faith. We can even see in the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, for we believers in Christ walk by faith and not by sight. Very simple. Walk by faith, not by sight. And at Broad Ministries, this is real people listening to a real pastor teach real truth. And there's the real truth right there. For we believers in Christ walk by faith and not by sight. We realize faith is a journey for ourselves, for others, and for God. You know, we, we put, ourself, put yourself in those, you know, those shoes if you're dependent on material things or your fear to reach out or fear of risk-taking and you depend on sight, other people have those same things. Other people have those same scenarios. They fear they don't trust you. We don't trust them. What kind of society is that, living by sight? It's not, it's not worth it. And so, you know, we, we thank you every week for giving and knowing that you're people that are uh, our non-res congregation that support us and our resident congregation that support us, we know that you're out there. And I have faith that you're going to keep supporting this ministry, and I have faith in God, and I have faith in myself to be a, a reflection of God's grace and his faith. And so sometimes it's hard, but it's worth it. So thank you very much. Hit it, Zach.
welcome back, and thank you, Deacon Denny, for a great message. Today's Bible lesson, what is your attitude toward forgiveness? What is your attitude toward forgiveness? Well, let's take a look at the second half of Paul's letter to Philemon. If you were Philemon, what would you do? Paul describes Philemon as a man who has mercy, mercy, a man who is generous. He started a church in his home, a man who lives his faith, a man who loves unconditionally, a man whose life makes a difference in the lives of everyone with whom he comes in contact. Yet Philemon is human. How could he not be bitter? Remember what the Lord commands, though, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. He says, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God the Father, and that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. Now, a root is something that is deeply implanted in the soil. And when you want to pull a weed out that has a root, you really have to have a lot of strength to pull that root out. That's what happens when we're bitter. And the, whole, the term defiled, the Bible has to be interpreted in the time it was written. And if you were defiled, what it meant is that somebody was taking their chamber pot in which they do all of those things that we do in a toilet and was dumping it over their balcony. And you happened to be walking underneath the balcony at that time, and you were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Amen? Amen? Come on, you have friends like that who have dumped their chamber pot right on the top of your head. Amen? Don't act like I'm the only one. <laughs> Look, it's easy to love those who love you. It's not so easy to love those who hurt you. Paul is making the case that the useless one has become useful. It's a description of Onesimus' life, yet it is a description of all of us, as we learn in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. This letter, the letter to the Ephesians, was one of the letters that went via courier to Philemon's home as well. And you believers in Christ were spiritually dead in your trespasses and sins. That's all of us. We came to the earth physically alive and spiritually dead, spiritually dead because of our trespasses and sins and because of the imputation of Adam's sin at the moment of physical birth. What does that mean? We were useless. Ephesians 2.2. 2. In which sins you formerly walked as a lifestyle. Remember, walked in the Bible means lifestyle. In which sins you formerly walked according to the curriculum of this world, as Satan's world system of thought. Satan has a curriculum designed to educate you to act like he wants you to act and not like God wants you to act. According to the prince of the power of the airwaves, that's Satan. Satan controls the media. According to the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, and that's a reference to unbelievers. Ephesians 2.3. Among them, these unbelievers, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and the desires of the mind. And just as they, we were by nature children of wrath, destined for the lake of fire from birth, even as the other unbelievers were. 
Ephesians 2.4. But God the Father, being rich in mercy, and mercy is a willingness not to give us what we deserve, the lake of fire. But God the Father, because of his great unconditional love with which he loved us unconditionally, if you didn't hear him the first time, he told you again what his attitude toward you was. Unconditional love, unconditionally. Ephesians 2, 5, even when we were spiritually dead in our transgressions, God the Father made us spiritually alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Imagine that. God the Father allowed God the Holy Spirit to place us into union with his Son after a betrayal, the betrayal of sin. Ephesians 2, 6, and he raised us up with him, resurrecting us believers from the dead, a future event, and seated us with Jesus, a present event, at the right hand of God the Father in the heavenly places. Why? Because of your union with Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, 7, so that in the ages to come, God the Father might show the surpassing riches of his grace, and grace is the willingness to give us what we don't deserve, expressing kindness toward us who are in union with Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2.8 For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that faith and that grace and that salvation is not from the source of yourselves. You can't save yourself. It is a gift from the source of God the Father. Not a gift as a result of your works so that no one may boast about saving himself. There's the problem with the religious. They want to save themselves. Unfortunately, you can't. Your salvation is a free gift from the grace of God. You can't do anything to affect it, and anything you try to do to affect it interferes with it. Here's the the closure, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We believers in Christ are God the Father's workmanship. You, as far as God the Father is concerned, are a work of art. You were created to be in union with Christ Jesus, and you were appointed to do good works. Which good works God the Father prepared beforehand so that we believers in Christ would walk in them as a lifestyle. What a challenge for Philemon. This letter to the Ephesians was a part of Onesimus' delivery package as well. What would you do if you were Philemon with the person who betrayed you standing right in front of your face? Paul continues his appeal to his friend in Philemon chapter 1, verses 15 to 25. For perhaps this was the reason the useless one, Onesimus, was separated from you for a while, Philemon, that you would have him back forever both now and for all eternity as a brother in union with Christ. Philemon 1.16. This time, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a beloved brother, a brother especially useful to me, but how much more useful to you, both in the flesh and in our union with the Lord. Ephesians 1.17. If then, Philemon, you regard me a partner, And of course you do. Accept Onesimus as you would accept me. Rutro. Rutro. 
Philemon's 1.18, but if Onesimus has wronged you in any way, that's a first-class condition, if, if and it's true, and of course he has, or if he owes you anything, and of course he does, charge that debt to my account. What is Paul saying here? Paul is saying, I'll pay you back for his sins. Sound familiar? Philemon 1.19. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay Onesimus' debt. Not to mention to you that you owe to me even your own self as well. A little more Jewish guilt. Philemon 1.20. Yes, my brother in Christ, let me benefit from you in union with the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ just as you have done for others. Paul made Philemon an offer he couldn't refuse. Philemon 1.21. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, since I know that you will do even more than what I ask you to do. Philemon 1.22. At the same time also, prepare me a lodging, your guest bedroom, for I hope that through your prayers I will be given the chance to come to you. Philemon 1.23. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus and the pastor of the church in your home, greets you. Ephesians 1.24. As do John Mark, the writer of the Gospel of Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, all of these being my fellow workers. So what is he saying? Philemon, we're all watching you to see what you do. Philemon 125, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Paul is asking a big favor of a friend that his friend forgive a person who has wronged him, betrayed him, and who has committed a capital crime punishable by death. What would you do as Christians? We are called to do what the Lord has done for us. When somebody betrays you, it's really easy to forget that you've betrayed as well, that you've betrayed the Lord, and you betray him every time you sin. And so it's really easy to point at the faults of other people and to forget what you have done. I had a, an amazing example of a Christian living Christianity this week that was absolutely impressive to me. And I won't share the details with you, but in my heart, it was an amazing thing. We are called to forgive, but it's much easier said than done. That's exactly what the Lord would always want us to do. So as we continue our assessment of Philemon's dilemma next week, we'll decide what the proper thing is for him to do and what the Christian thing is for you to do in the matter of those you need to forgive. The closing moments of our lesson today could be the ten most important minutes of your life. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says this, It is appointed by God for men to die once. Oop, there goes reincarnation. You're not coming back. It is appointed by God for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. And what is judgment? An evaluation by God. Said another way, the life we live on planet Earth is short. 
compared to the amount of time each of us will spend in eternity, because eternity is forever. The message you're about to hear offers you a chance to decide where you will spend eternity. We want you to know that God wants you, and what he wants from you is that you make the most important decision of your life. There's a person at the core of Christianity, the creator of Christianity, who cares about you. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the sovereign God of the universe. He is full of grace. He is full of truth. And he wants a relationship with you. This is your chance to choose to have a personal relationship with him. Your problem is that you were born a sinner in God's eyes. Sinners need a savior. And Jesus Christ is the savior and he wants to save you. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 say this. This is what is good and acceptable in the sight of the God who is our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who desires for all men to be saved, and who wants all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. You will spend an eternity in the lake of fire at physical death if you choose not to have a relationship with Him. There is only one way to get to heaven, by placing your faith in Jesus Christ to save you, by trusting what He has done at the cross on your behalf, If you're going to place your confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation, you probably should get to know everything about him. While there are many things to know about him, here are the critical few things. Number one, John chapter 1, verse 3, the Lord Jesus Christ is your creator. All things came into being through the Lord God the Son, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being, including you. The Lord Jesus Christ loves you unconditionally. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says this, The one who does not love unconditionally does not know the Lord, for the Lord is unconditional love. It's his person, and it is his identity. The Lord Jesus Christ has forgiven all of your sins, past, present, and future. Isaiah 43, 25 says this, I, even I, the Lord, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. The Lord doesn't want you to work to please him. Romans chapter 11, verse 6 says, If salvation is by grace, and of course it is, it is no longer on the basis of your works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. The Lord Jesus Christ doesn't want you to go to the lake of fire. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slow about his promise of salvation as some accuse him of. Instead, he is patient towards you unbelievers, not wishing for any of you to perish in the lake of fire, but for all of you to come to repentance, which is a change of mind about having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, is the perfect person to lead you to salvation. God's graciousness offers you a plan to be saved as a free gift. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, which you've heard today, let's hear it again. For by grace, God's grace, you have been saved through faith in Christ for salvation. And that grace and that faith and that salvation are not from the source of yourselves. It is the gift from the source of God the Father, So being saved is not a result of your works, deeds that you do in self-righteousness. 
so that no one may boast about saving himself. So how can you get to heaven? This loving, forgiving, patient God who wants you to be saved is willing to save you right this minute. John chapter 14, verse 6 says this, Jesus said to the doubting apostle Thomas, I am the way to salvation, I am the truth through the word of God, and I am the resurrection life, eternal life. And no one comes to God the Father in heaven but through believing in me. Right where you sit right now, you can tell God the Father that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is the moment of eternal life for you. Acts chapter 16, verse 31 says this, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved by God. You and everyone in your household who also believes. So heed the warning in John chapter 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has the resurrection life right at that moment. But he who does not obey the command to believe in the Son will not see the resurrection life. Instead, the wrath of God, the lake of fire, abides on him. Who is this God who saves you? The Apostle Paul describes the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. I, Paul, delivered to you as of primary importance the gospel message I also received from God, that it was Jesus Christ who died for our sins according to the Old Testament scriptures, and that he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day according to the Old Testament scriptures. When you get to know Jesus Christ, you'll have no problem placing your confidence in him, both for your salvation and for everything else. Why? Because the sovereign God of the universe wants a relationship with you. He loves you unconditionally, died for you, so take advantage of his grace, and you'll be saved right now. What happens if you reject a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Matthew chapter 25, verse 41 says this, Jesus will say to those on his left, unbelievers, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, the lake of fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Those are neither words you want to hear, nor words you have to hear. John chapter 3, verse 18 says this, He who believes in Jesus Christ, placing his trust in him for salvation, is not judged. But he who does not believe in, the, in Jesus Christ has been judged already because he is in a state of unbelief about the person of the uniquely born Son of God. Take the easy road to salvation. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Well, let's close with music. There's only one reason why God forgives us is because he wanted to forgive. He is not under compulsion. Forgiveness frees us from a prison of bitterness. Here's June Murphy to sing about what God has done for us in her song, All Because You Wanted To. to set me free Your love 
Almighty God and Father, thank you for putting us in the same position that Philemon is in, the position of having to forgive someone who has committed the ultimate betrayal. And as we reflect on what you have taught us today, help us to handle things as you would, not by making ourselves doormats to the abuse of betrayal, but by using forgiveness to free ourselves from the bondage that unforgiveness becomes. As we go forward into the week, help us to have the spiritual eyes to see the opportunity to forgive those toward whom we hold bitterness. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Say it with me. Amen. Amen. Uh, We'll be discussing the lesson 
and have the prayer circle right after this lesson, about five minutes after. And so join us live or on Zoom. And if you have the newsletter, there's a link in the newsletter that you can click and join us. And I wish more of you would start joining us for that. It's a lot of fun. And we love to see your face. Got biblical questions? Ask the pastor. Pastor at BraMinistries.com. Keep on studying the Word of God. Thanks for coming. Thanks for watching. And thanks for listening.